Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Jack Torrey of the band The Cactus Blossoms is my guest on Wheels Off. And he's great. He's so calm and cool. Their music is so cinematic and timeless and beautiful. His harmonies with his brother Paige are buttery and fantastic. And um, they're their own kind of weird instrument in and of themselves. Jack is... I think uh, it's okay to categorize him as the main songwriter of the band. And he's a really cool, kind of deep guy. He's very chill, as you're going to hear. I admire their music enormously, and I really liked speaking with him. And I wish it had happened in a backstage. That's the only thing that uh, it's missing now. But um, I'm really glad you guys all get to hear this conversation with Jack Torrey on the newest Wheels Off. Welcome to Wheels Off, Jack Torrey. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I always <laughs> want to say us because I know eventually there will be a lot of ears involved, but at the moment it's just me and you. This is great. Uh, for the edification of our listeners, where are you at the moment? I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. At home. I'm at home, yeah. Nice. Um, and congrats on the new record. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, so I, I feel like I just answered the question that I'm about to ask you, but I wonder uh, what creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up? Uh, the creative project at the moment is getting back on the road touring. Um, just did the first leg of a tour. That was the first run we've done since like November of 2019 or something. Ugh. We we took a little break before the pandemic. So it's been an extra long couple of years. So how, how was it getting back out? It was great. I mean, you know, well, whatever. I'll focus on the good parts because that's the main thing I'm thinking about. But, um, you know, just getting that chance to play every night is such a nice nice feeling like you get so comfortable so yeah. it's you know we did some shows last year but when it's like a month apart or it's like you never get to find a groove yeah or you know kind of just get that you're thinking about it a little too much and if i'm not mistaken out. you guys did like before the pandemic you you did like 10 years of just pretty hardcore work right touring we did a few years of really solid touring. Um, oh, 26, what, like 2015 on? Yeah, pro yeah, maybe 2014. Okay. I think we did our first like national 
tour opening for JD McPherson. Yeah. And then he took us to Europe in January of 2015. Yeah. So that kind of got the, the ball rolling. That's so great. And then, and then it kind of rolled until the end of 2019. So, were you, were you able to work on the new record through the pandemic? Was that like, uh, were you writing throughout all of that? Did you take your time? How did that work? I mean, I, there were some, I don't know how it works for you, but, um, you know, there's ideas floating around. Sometimes like when you're working on an album, it, it's for me, it's, it's a really creative time because, well, I guess one part is you think you don't have anything sometimes. And then because you're in this, in this environment, you're like, Oh yeah, I've got this idea and that idea. And oh, I've got way more ideas than I, than I thought I did. And you finish them. And then you're like, Hey, I can come up with new ideas. Now all you have to do is just come up with an idea and finish it. So usually there's like some stuff that's like from the last album you finished there's usually like a few ideas that happened right when that got done. Yeah. I mean, I don't write all the time. So for me, it's, it's, um, seems to go in phases like that. And and you've done things like most of your writing is you, and then you've done co some co-writing, right? Like I know with Dan Auerbach, you did some. Yeah. Up, in, up until that point, it had mostly been, kind of writing on my own and Paige would write ideas on his own. And, and then when we, we co-wrote with Dan down in Nashville and he brought some other people into that picture from, from his world, like some really cool folks, man. It was, it was really fun. Um, but that got the juices flowing and it made things feel light and fun. And it kind of taught me and Paige how to have a little more fun batting ideas back and forth but you know we have this this great understanding of like and this is something we did on the last record on on one day especially because we weren't playing with other musicians you know we weren't like getting together with a bunch of people and we wanted to finish these songs and so we were like all right we'll be each other's band so like you you play your idea you like work it out and i'll play bass and I won't comment on your idea <laughs> and I won't, and I won't give you any ideas for your idea. Cause it's your idea. And then we'll just like, I'll be your band. I'll play bass or strum a guitar or whatever. And, and then he did the same for me. And then we'd get to points and be like, Hey, you want to hop on this song and finish it? I can see an idea is cooking. So, so that's how we kind of have gotten more into this writing together thing. It's it's funny to watch that kind of thing evolve. And for you guys, it's such a, I mean, it sounds like you must do everything together because the, the way you, the way your voices work together, it just sounds like you're such a mind meld, but then I know you, you guys do bring in your own songs and, and um, it's, boy, it's really beautiful. Is it? So, I mean, I wonder about when, when you were starting, um, did you always know it was going to be music? Like your dad has a musical background and then you guys are very family oriented in the band obviously did was this from the beginning you always knew no not at all not at all i mean i always liked music um grew up in a musical family with lots of 
like our older brother Tyler, who's played on a lot of our recordings and toured with us a lot. You know, he was a great electric guitar player when he was like 15. Wow. And I was whatever, eight or something. You know, I was like unobtainable. <laughs> I, I didn't have like the natural abilities or I don't know. I couldn't pick up an instrument and play it. I wasn't a very good singer. So I never even thought about it really as like a thing to do. Like he was taking up too much of the oxygen by kicking ass on guitar. <laughs> no, I just did. I really it was like, that's awesome. I mean, I played some bass, but I didn't know what the dots meant on the neck or, you know, I just, I was a by ear learner and I don't know. I never, nothing ever came super quickly to me. So it wasn't like, this is what I do. Cause I'm good at it. You know, it was a slow, slow thing. When did the worm turn? Was it like you, you wanted to write songs? Like you had, you had to get it out lyrics well, and melodies. I got super inspired by Bob Dylan ah. in a, in a way that I think I kind of figured out. I just saw him play last week in Lubbock, Texas. Nice. And, uh, got my wheels spinning on that. And it was like, man i was talking with some other people that went to the show show with us and it was like we were talking about dylan and and some other things but it just hit me like something broke through with his songwriting that i understood like very well because like he doesn't use you know crazy vocabulary he's he's not snooty about his his poetry or whatever you want to call it um and it really hit me as like this guy is is speaking my language even though i don't i can't speak this language fluently but i understand it and it gave me hope man like Bob Dylan's songs gave me hope that like, you're not crazy. <laughs> you're like, you know, like, I mean, I just listened to masters of war again recently. And it was like, it's just so simple and beautiful. And, and, uh, I mean, it's a, a hard rain's going to fall was the first song I ever played in public me and a guitar. And I think I'd been singing for about, not even a year yeah i almost uh fainted i was gonna to, say uh, that that's a that's an exercise that's a tough one to sing yeah but i i felt it so strongly i mean sure i was imitating him but i was i was imitating him you know because it's like he taught me how to sing and play an acoustic guitar that's and so cool it, like a big brother you know a fellow Minnesotan, um, which I just had a curiosity, which, which album did you connect with or which era maybe of, of Dylan did you connect with first? What was it that kind of opened the door to him for you? I mean, I'd heard like his greatest hits probably first, okay. yeah, which is weird because <laughs> in like five years or whatever, you know, he like ran this gamut of, you know, 
this is the same guy within two years later, which I had no concept of, but, and, you know, blonde on blonde, I knew it was cool. And that definitely, I thought this guy's a great singer when I heard blonde on blonde and other people were like, Ugh. Ugh, he's weird. Like you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like that it hit a point where it was like, really, you don't like Bob Dylan. Then you don't like me. Cause, <laughs> cause I think this guy is, is, uh, onto something, you know, this is whatever, 50 years later after that album came out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I yeah, love it was only 40 years after it came out. Back only, that only 40. But yeah. Well, it's getting bigger. The, the time gap is getting bigger. The older we get. Oh my God. It's so funny. Um, so you, so you've been at this now for whatever, um, really hard for like eight, nine years or whatever. And I just, I wonder, um, like I, you didn't really tell me if there was some other career that you were on the brink of when you decided to do this, if you, if there was another path that you had envisioned, do you, do you ever look back on the the choice to do this? And is there ever any doubt or wondering, or what do you feel about it now? Uh, it, I feel like there wasn't really a choice. I mean, of course, like there's a, we can all walk away from what we're doing or, shift gears but like there's no other plan there i mean i was kind of wandering in the wilderness before you know playing music became a real thing i was content to just like live in my truck if that was the deal so you weren't wrestling with ambition to go out and make a million dollars or conquer capitalism or whatever I would say as close to zero ambition as you can mathematically get. <laughs> well, now I, I wanted a cool guitar, you know, like I wanted to eat and, you know, but I don't, I don't think those things fit into ambition super well. Um, now that you're coming out of the pandemic and getting to do gigs again and putting out a new record. And um, I wonder like, when you uh, got into, and I am assuming that there were some um, in the last few years, and especially the last couple of years, when you've gotten into some dark places mentally, when you run up against the sort of internally generated obstacles that especially artists, but probably everyone tends to create for themselves. When you, when you come up against those kind of internally generated obstacles, what have you figured out as far as um, ways to get through that? Mm -hmm. I mean, you seem very Zen, forgive me for trying to characterize you, but you, you seem like a really calm sort of, um, in the, in the moment kind of human being. Is that, do you, is that true? You think that's true of you? I'm, I'm the eye of the storm. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, not windy in here, but it's surrounded by chaos, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, for me, I mean, I'm joking about being the eye of the storm and I definitely don't mean that as everything is revolving around me, but there's like, for me, it's, it's really tricky to, um, you know, beyond like whatever personal 
head games or life stuff, just living in the world and being surrounded by so many troubling things. And in a way we live in a very, you know, lots of things are pretty cool about growing up in the time we've grown up in, like compared to so many other times and so many other places. So it's like, I know I'm lucky, but still, if you want to like have your eyes open and be aware of what's happening around you. And if you're a sensitive person, it can get you like the world can get you down without with your life being pretty damn good, you know? And so that's like a, that's a big part of, for me, like something that throws me off is just being overwhelmed by everything that's going on around me. And I probably shouldn't meditate, but you know, I, I don't know. I just try to like put things in perspective and, and put myself, you know, what can I deal with right now? What can I help with? What can I actually finish today? Or, you know, just really basic stuff. And sometimes, you know, when things are getting really crazy, I hit a point where I'm like, well, I guess I can only do this one thing. I can't worry about the whole mess right now. So. Are you good about that sort of, um, uh, like sort of standing up for yourself and seeing your own boundaries and, taking a step back yeah i think so maybe not uh, all the time <laughs> i mean who is it's funny though hearing you talk about it about you know how kind of what an incredible time this is to live in and how lucky you know we maybe you and i are um to get to do what we do i wonder sometimes if um like the fact that we get to like make music for a living and, you know, have food on our table and, and all these things in, in a way, doesn't it almost make it worse to be so aware of the struggling going on around us because you feel so like lucky and privileged and all these things. I mean, that's a high class problem to have, but it, it, it can be tricky. Like the guilt maybe that goes with it. Yeah. I mean, I think so, but, um, just gonna say something. Oh, well, it's just, you know, you said you were lucky to make music and, and that's true. Like that, you know, when, when people complain about like the music industry or, you know, name, you name it, like in, just in the creative world of like, it's not fair. It's like, it never was fair. I don't know what fair really means. We live in a, in a country that has like copyright laws and intellectual property <laughs> laws. And like, <laughs> that's why there is a music industry because when you wrote a song in 1850, anyone could play it. Like, you know, folk songs <laughs> were written by people. Yep. Yep. Traditional songs were written by people. Some of them probably by one person that you don't know who wrote it and they don't get money or, or recognition even. And it's just funny. It's like, 
just in that simple, simple space. Like, think about how weird and cool it is that you can even write a song and it sticks to you. Yeah. Like, that's, that's lucky, man. That's cool. It's the Tom Waits quote that I think about all the time where he was speaking at South by one year and he, between songs at the piano at the uh, keynote speech, he said, um, I love it when I write a song and I say, now go fly away and make daddy some money. <laughs> and sometimes it does, I bet. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's funny now that you, you brought it up. There was an old cowboy song, Home on the Range. And um, I had a great uncle that wrote an arrangement of it. It's one of the better known arrangements. He did not write the song. He just arranged it. But he made a ton of money because his arrangement would get played. He didn't, he barely, he barely did anything. <laughs> and whoever wrote the song didn't make anything, I'm sure. Some old cow hand. I think you should put a, a harmony <laughs> on that there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was he out in Hollywood? Mm, that's a good question. Where was he at the time? I think, I mean, it was, he was, he was a Texan. I'm assuming he was down in Texas, but he might have moved out to Hollywood at that point. David yeah. Guyon. Um that's, that's amazing though, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of incredible. Um, but it's a weird thing to sort of claim because he didn't write the song. He just, you know, he just decided to put it in this certain arrangement. It's still cool. I mean, I'm not shitting on his <laughs> accomplishment. He just it, you should have heard it before though. <laughs> it was a hot See, mess. The, the version no one knows is like <laughs> Home, home on the range. <laughs> probably, probably was. Or it was like, like, we should like spread it out more, <laughs> slow it down. <laughs> it was like it was like Layla, like eight minutes of guitar solo. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like we need to tighten this up, and, and that's how you know it today. <laughs> um, so I, I wonder if you were to go back uh, and run into a 21 year old version of yourself in in today's world. Not that you're that much older than that, but. Um, what advice do you think you might give 21-year-old you? Hmm. Whiskey is very strong. <laughs> it's, it's not apple juice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I don't think I was... Uh, I don't think I would have let me give me advice back then. So if I... <laughs> If I met that guy, I probably wouldn't say anything. I'd probably just nod and be like, good luck. Good luck out there. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's very chill. It, it kind of feels like, in a way, what you're saying is that you like where you've wound up and you wouldn't redirect your course. You think that's true? No, I meant it more in like... Uh, you're a thick-headed 21-year-old. <laughs> no, and also, I don't give people advice. <laughs> that don't want it <laughs> he'd have to ask me a question for me to have an answer i guess does that make sense totally 100 percent. um so what's next for you guys where where are you headed we're gonna go back out on tour um in a few days head out to the east coast and then down to nashville and do a little loop-de-loop -loop from minneapolis back um and then kind of doing a couple more legs of this tour and then hopefully have some time this summer to 
do some house projects. Um, is this headlining stuff? It is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Man. Well, I love it. I've, I have, um, I would love to see the band on this tour. I bet you guys are killing it. I'm grateful to be back out on the road. Great new record. And I love the video, by the way. Well done. Oh, thank you. How did that come about? Which one? Um, uh, what was the newest one? Hey, uh, hey, hey, baby. Hey, baby. Yeah. Yeah. We um, we we got together with a uh, buddy, Joshua Shoemaker, down in Nashville, and busted out a few video ideas in one afternoon. <laughs> oh, just so trying to keep it simple and yeah and uh yeah so we we just did a simple idea and i dug through a bunch of old photos i realized i had to dig pretty far back because on my old uh phone phone archives or whatever because back when we first started touring i was and i had just had gotten an iphone for the first time so i was probably just snapping tons of pictures so I just started throwing those into the video. Sweet. Well, I love it. You guys are doing all the right stuff and it's fun to watch you grow and evolve. So congratulations. Thanks, Red. Nice thanks, to chat with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me on Wheels Off. Take care, Jack. You too. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Osiris. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grey Street.